hppodcraft.com. There is in the land of Nar a vast still lake that is fed by no stream and out of which no stream flows. Ten thousand years ago there stood by its shore the mighty city of Sarnath, but Sarnath stands there no more. Ooh. What happened to Sarnath? I don't know. You know, I would wonder about that if the title didn't already tell me before I read that paragraph. Yeah, no. yeah. It kinda, it's a little, little foreshadowing there. I was thinking that a better title. title might be, uh, guess what's coming to Sarnath? <laughs> then it could just turn out any way you want. Yeah, you have no idea. You could guess lots of things. You could think maybe the Wells Fargo wagon is coming to Sarnath. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, Chris, what's your name? Well, I just kind of said it. What is your name? Introduce my yourself. Name, my name's Chris Lackey. I'm Chad Pfeiffer. And this is the HP Lovecraft Literary Podcast. We're here at hppodcraft.com, and today we're talking about the doom that came to Sarnath. Yeah, the doom. Oh, so much doom. You know, it's funny. Sarnath is easily pronounceable to me, mm-hmm. so it sounds kind of cool. But yeah. Nar? Minar? I don't know. It's hard to say, so... Is it Minar? Is it's, it Nar? I don't know what it is. Nar? It's, it's exactly what Andrew said. That's what, that's what yeah. it is. <laughs> Whatever Andrew just said, that's how it's supposed to be said. <laughs> First, um, the story begins where we find out the origin of Sarnath, where it's where it is, where it's from, mm. and it is in this this vast land called Nar. Right. And before Sarnath was there, there was uh, another city on the lake in the Nar. Yes, it was in a Nar. city called Ib, which was old as the lake itself and peopled with beings not pleasing to behold. Very odd and ugly were these beings, as indeed are most beings of a world yet inquate and rudely fashioned. It is written on the brick cylinders of Kadatheron that the beings of Ib were in hue as green as the lake and the mists that rise above it, that they had bulging eyes, pouting flabby lips, and curious ears, and were without voice. It is also written that they descended one night from the moon in a mist, they and the vast still lake and grey stone city Ib. Yeah, so uh, Ib was full of... uh... Green-skinned, big-lipped, weird ears, bulgy eyes. Not too unlike uh, the Deep Ones. No, not too unlike the Deep Ones, which are some sort of hybrid fishmen that pop up in a couple of other Lovecraft stories. Yeah. I would point out that it that they, they rode, he says they rode down from a moonbeam, basically. Well, <laughs> well the, the mist. mist. They rolled down on the mist, which I is found different some than, similarities there between some similarities, this and, yes. and the white ship. Lots of skating around on moonbeams and yes. moon mists. Right. Uh, but but he says that they worshipped this sea green stone idol. Yes, and the, it was a likeness of uh, Bakrug, the great water lizard. Right. What, uh, do you know, what's a water lizard look like? Uh, I mean, well... There's... I just assume it's a wet lizard. Well, <laughs> well there's, there's um, iguanas. There are aquatic iguanas that like live out in the ocean okay. and do things like that. But but what you know what this makes me think of? Great uh, Great water lizard. Dagon. Yeah, it does make me think of Dagon. And, and you know, it's, he even says we don't know much about this race. Because they lived in very ancient times, and man is young and knows but little of the very ancient living things. Right. It's so much of Lovecraft is rooted in that notion. It's, Dagon was rooted in that notion. Yeah, absolutely. That there were these civilizations that are down there on the ocean floor that predate man and have these stone idols and, and that kind of thing. Well, I mean... What's interesting, I, I always thought that this story was uh, part of the dream quests, mm-hmm. but it's not. No, it's a it's, prehistory. It's a prehistory, and yeah. in fact, Ib is mentioned in, in a later story, The Mountains of Madness. Oh, really? Yes, briefly. Oh, how cool. It's, yeah, it's, it mentions that there is uh, history in The Mountains of Madness. Well, anyway, pretty soon, uh, the, these creatures in Ib 
They're in trouble because men show up. Yeah. Dark shepherd folk with fleecy flocks. And uh, the hardier men in, in the group, they pull right up on that shore, that lake, and uh, they find precious metal in the ground, so they know they want to settle there. And, and unfortunately, there are these beings of, of Ib there, and the men don't like them. They, right, don't, right, they just yeah. don't like the way they look. They don't like their sculptures. They, no. they don't like the way they smell. They don't like the, the flabbiness of their skin. No. Like, got flabby, like, gelatinous, yeah. gelatinous skin. It says, As the men of Sarnath beheld more of the beings of Ib, their hate grew. And it was not less because they found the beings weak and soft as jelly to the touch of stones and arrows. So one day the young warriors, the slingers and the spearmen and the bowmen, marched against him and slew all the inhabitants thereof, pushing the queer bodies into the lake with long spears because they did not wish to touch them. They committed genocide, basically. Yeah, and they destroyed everything. They destroyed the whole city of Ib, knocked down all the buildings, all the, the structures, the, the monuments, everything. Uh, except, no, they kept something. They kept something. They keep the the uh, green idol, which is like likeness of Bakrug, the water lizard. The water lizard. Which they, every time he mentions it, he writes Bakrug the water lizard. He never just writes Bakrug. Yeah. He writes Bakrug. But <laughs> he's got to remind you. Yeah. So they keep the statue and they take it uh, to their temple. Right. So they just show off how they totally ruled yeah. over the people of Ib. I mean, they're just doing it yeah. to boast. To boast. It says, but on the night after it was set up in the temple, a terrible thing must have happened, for weird lights were seen over the lake. And in the morning, the people found the idol gone, and the high priest, Taranlish, lying dead, as from some fear unspeakable. And before he died, Taranish had scrawled upon the altar of Chrysolite with coarse, shaky strokes the sign of doom. Doom! <laughs> so I mean, does that mean he wrote the word, or is there some sign of doom that everybody recognized? Well, I mean, this is probably before writing. So yeah. So this is a hieroglyph of that would would be doom. doom. So so actually, I would I think a sign, literally a sign. What do you think it was? Uh, it was pr- like a thumbs up. No, no, I think it would be the thumbs opposite down. of that. It yeah. would be a hand missing a thumb. Oh my gosh, that is doom. <laughs> this, by the way, you mentioned Dagon, also reminded me of Dagon, but not the H.P. Lovecraft story story of Dagon in the Bible that we talked about oh, right, yeah. last time, mm-hmm. where they brought the Ark of the Covenant I was thinking about to that. Dagon's temple. They dropped it off there, and it made everybody in the town sick, and it, it made the, the statue of Dagon fall down. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. cool. So the idol disappears. It's never found. Yes. The centuries go by, and you know only a few priests and old women remember the big doom side. I thought it was funny when he said only a few priests and the old women remember it after a few centuries. <laughs> like, man, those are some old women. <laughs> Uh, but the city prospers. Yeah, it does great. Uh, you know, they get all this, uh, they get all the material and metals that are uh, native to the lake, and they start trading, and, and uh, caravan routes uh, get established with local uh, cities. So Sarnath waxed mighty and learned and beautiful, and sent forth conquering armies to subdue the neighboring cities. And in time, there sat upon a throne in Sarnath the kings of all the land of Nar and of many lands adjacent. Yeah, so basically, uh, Sarnath rules. Yeah. And from here, the story gets a little dull. It's just kind of paragraph after paragraph after paragraph yeah. describing how awesome Sarnath is. Yeah. And uh, in my head, it, it finally got to me. I started hearing Robin Leach from Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. <laughs> I actually even thought today, man, wouldn't that be great if we could get him to be our reader? That would be awesome. In Sarnath, it was nothing but champagne wishes and caviar dreams. <laughs> 
some excerpts. I'm not gonna. I don't. I don't even think we should have too much of this in here. But some excerpts of of how of how awesome it is. The wonder of the world and the pride of all mankind was Sarnath the Magnificent. But more marvelous still were the palaces and the temples and the gardens made by Zakar the Olden King. There were many palaces. So high were they that one within might sometimes fancy himself beneath only the sky. Outshining all others was the palace of the kings of Mnar and of the lands adjacent. On a pair of golden crouching lions rested the throne, many steps above the gleaming floor. And it was wrought of one piece of ivory, though no man lives who knows whence so vast a piece could have come. In that palace there were also many galleries, and many amphitheaters where lions and men and elephants battled at the pleasure of the kings. Sometimes the amphitheaters were flooded with water conveyed from the lake in mighty aqueducts, and then were enacted stirring sea fights or combats betwixt swimmers and deadly marine things. Yeah, that's good. That's great! Yeah. Definitely that was, marine things. I was so bored with the the descriptions of this place until it got to that. Yeah, well, I know in ancient Rome they would often fill the col- well, not often, but occasionally fill the Colosseum with water and, and reenact sea battles. I had no idea. Oh, really? Did, did they ever make gladiators swim around there and fight sharks? And I don't or? know about that specifically, but I do know that they filled it up with water and they had like mock battles. That like, is so cool. I didn't know that. That's so. That's so. And cool. I'm sure Lovecraft knew that too, and that's why of course we put that in there. But I just imagine Russell Crowe fighting an octopus, man. That would be like the best thing. <laughs> well, when he says uh, sea creatures, uh, I like to think that they're like you know monsters. Yeah. Not. Yeah. Uh, not. Not just know, your octopus. Some sharks. Right. Or right. Octopus or oh, totally. I mean, actually, I thought some of the stuff in there was pretty innovative. He goes on about how they have air conditioning and heat was one of the things. You know, they have, like, fans directed around so that air gets in everywhere. And then they have, like, strategically placed fires so that people don't see them and feel the heat. There's rare birds flying around, nice houses, lots of places to pray to small gods. Uh, Lots of um, domes of glass. Yeah. Uh, You know, pretty, pretty advanced civilization. But then we, we get to the part, after all this description, where maybe they go a little too far because he starts talking about this holiday they have. Well, yeah, each year they celebrate uh, in Sarnath the feast of, uh, it's called the Feast of the Destroying of Ib. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> that's the name of the holiday. The Feast of the Destroying of Ib. <laughs> At which time wine, song, dancing, and merriment of every kind abounded. Great honors were then paid to the shades of those who had annihilated the odd ancient beings, and the memory of those beings and of their elder gods was derided by dancers and lutenists crowned with roses from the gardens of Zokar, and the kings would look out over the lake and curse the bones of the dead that lay beneath it. Man, these guys are assholes. They are such assholes. We have the 4th of July. Yeah. To commemorate our independence. Right. But we were, you know, like, this we were fighting be... an oppressor. Yeah, and yeah. also, I mean, it's not like on the 4th of July you can just go out and sock a British guy in the mouth or something no. like that, you know? I mean, this well, is, no, this they stand be... there and they curse the lake. This would that be... would be like if we had a holiday celebrating the destruction of the Native American people. Yeah, absolutely. And we celebrate it, and every year we, we curse the bones of the people that yeah. were here before us. That's how wrong this right, is. Right, exactly. And you know what? At first, the priests didn't like no, it. No, they didn't. They were like, this is not cool, you know. But time passes. Time passes Eventually without they calamity. Get and it. even the priests laughed and cursed and joined yeah. in the orgies. <laughs> well, they have, you know, they were, they're doing their own secret rituals on top of that. Right. They go up to this tower and they just, I don't know if they 
take a dump on the statue or what they, they do. Yeah, they don't really say what they do. They have up a secret there. thing they do up there, and it's a secret ride in secret ride in detestation of uh, Bakrog and uh, the water lizard. Uh, the water lizard. <laughs> so a thousand years pass like this. Yes. And uh, on the and thousandth year, that's when people fact. are really excited because the thousandth year celebration is going to be amazing. You know, people are making costumes, they're dressing up like the the, the people of Iv. That's a long reign for a civilization, too. A thousand it is, years. It's very long. Yeah. It's a very long reign to uh, to have a holiday like that. Yeah. And to have it not just you know, well, yeah, it's a festival, the destroying of Iv. Like I get the day off, but I don't really celebrate it. You know, <laughs> we have a barbecue in the backyard. <laughs> I don't even know what we're doing this for. Not like that at all. No. They're very excited. They're really excited about it. They still have orgies and feasts. Yeah. This portion uh, tickled me. Within his banquet hall reclined Nargis Hay, the king, drunken with ancient wine from the vaults of conquered Noth, and surrounded by feasting nobles and hurrying slaves. There were eaten many strange delicacies at that feast. Peacocks from the distant hills of Linplan, Heels of camels from the Benazic desert, nuts and spices from Sedathrian groves, and pearls from wave-washed metal dissolved in the vinegar of Thrar. Of sauces there were an untold number, prepared by the subtlest cooks in all Nar, and suited to the palate of every feaster. I, I love that the king even <laughs> drinks like an asshole. Like, he, he, doesn't, he just can't have some wine. He gets ancient wine from a conquered people. Yeah. He just breaks into some poor person's house. What is the oldest scotch you have? <laughs> Give it to me. I'm going to drink it and just throw it away. Because i got a saucier my, out here. My who's... favorite line is, of sauces, yeah. there were an untold number. An untold. <laughs> Classic Lovecraftian description. <laughs> yeah, a number of sauces which shall not be told. <laughs> Subtlest cooks. He really has an. They have a. You know, they have some iron chefs there too. He's very subtle. Cook. Yeah, oh, I know. But they. I guess you know they figure out what taste you really like. Yeah. They put it in the sauce. They're that good. So everything's going great. It was going great, and they were getting served on these gold platters. Yeah. You know, all this food was being served on gold platters. I'm setting this up for a reason. It was the high priest Nika who first saw the shadows that descended from the gibbous moon into the lake and the damnable green mists that arose from the lake to meet the moon and to shroud in a sinister haze the towers and the domes of fated Sarnath. Thereafter, those in the towers and without the walls beheld strange lights on the water and saw that the grey rock Acurion, which was wont to rear high above it near the shore, was almost submerged, and fear grew vaguely yet swiftly, so that the princes of Ilarnek and of Far Rokol took down and folded their tents and pavilions and departed, though they scarce knew the reason for their departing. Yeah, they got the heck out of there. Yeah, it's like because um, uh, something's wrong. Yeah, it, it's like rain hitting Coachella, or Burning Man. <laughs> oh. Everybody's just folding up their stuff. The club kids and the hippies, get out of here, man! <laughs> <laughs> this festival's going south. then close to the hour of midnight all the bronze gates of Sarnath burst open and emptied forth a frenzied throng that blackened the plain so that all the visiting princes and travelers fled away in fright for on the faces of this throng was writ a madness born of horror unendurable and on their tongues were words so terrible that no hearer paused for proof Men whose eyes were wild with fear shrieked aloud of the sight within the king's banquet hall, where through the windows were seen no longer the forms of Nargis Hay and his nobles and slaves, but a horde of indescribable green voiceless things with bulging eyes, pouting flabby lips, and curious ears. 
things which danced horribly, bearing in their paws golden platters set with rubies and diamonds and containing uncouth flames. Yeah. Yes! I, I love that they danced horribly. You know, because there were just a few guys at that party that were like, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> I spent this much on my outfit and those guys are getting all the attention. Those dances are terrible. Those are terrible dances. Well, I mean, I would have thought of it as not... Yeah, it yeah. was some kind of dance that just didn't make any sense to your mind or something. Well, yeah. they got those gelatinous bodies. Yeah. So oh, it's like, you know, gosh. they're like bending in weird ways. Yeah, that you don't want to see... Can't, can't bend. And you don't want to see a funky chicken on something like no, that. No, no. No, it's beyond funky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so people freak out and they run away. Yeah. They never come back. No. Uh, well. Eventually. Some people do. Well, later some golden-haired, you know, blue-eyed adventurers... Do, yes. do make the trip. Yeah, they go, hey, let's go Let's go find out what happened to that town. Yeah. That town's so They get out there. Where once had risen walls of 300 cubits and towers yet higher, now stretched only the marshy shore. And where once had dwelt 50 million of men, now crawled the detestable water lizard. Not even the mines of precious metal remained. Doom had come to Sarnath. There you go. Those people, they, they learned their lesson. Yes, they did. <laughs> Start worshipping that god. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you think that's the lesson they <laughs> yep. should have learned? That's the yeah. lesson. And that's it's not the... about genocide. It's about, you know, hey, that's the god that yeah. eventually, even if it'll take a thousand years, mm-hmm. you'll get it. Yeah. Even though probably all the people that originally did the bad thing, you know, had really awesome lives and then died happy. The great water lizard is great. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's in his name. Yeah. And that, that's the end of the story, That's correct? the end. The end. So, Chris, did you like it? I did. I did like it. It, it does go on a bit. Yeah. And in the, you know, the first page is great. The last page is great. The right. middle, uh, you know, there's some interesting little tidbits in there. He paints this picture of the civilization. But I'm a guy that likes, you know, a, a little bit more of a story. Yeah, move it along. Move it along. I, now, I, I agree with you, but... And, and this was indulgent. Normally would put me off, but... Precisely because the title tells me what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I know that doom is coming. It's In a way, it's like almost a visceral thrill watching how beautiful the city becomes. You know that it's going to burn down. And right. and it's it's like a when you build a house of cards when you're a kid. Mm-hmm. And you really go into detail and you're really careful, but you know you're just going to knock it down and it's going to crumble. Right. Or like watching... A, you know, people will line up when they do special effects for a movie to watch a house blow up. Oh, right, yeah. And the more beautiful it is, the more great it is to yeah, watch I mean, it be destroyed. I remember uh, I used to build... I'd get all my toys out and I would line them up and set them up. I, I used to take some of my action figures and put them in little scenes and then just set them all on fire. You know? Right. <laughs> just because it was great to take something of beauty and destroy it in a way. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I get and in that it. way, it's I like, appreciated the story. That's all I'm saying. Sure, I mean, you know, MythBusters is, you know, part of the, uh, uh, <laughs> the its longevity is the fact that you know they keep blowing up stuff. And right, I, I watch it. I love it. Watching yeah. stuff blow up in high speed cameras. Oh, it's great. Awesome. And they take a really long time to make sure that everything's how it's supposed to be, oh, right, and then yeah. boom, boom it's over in a it. second. And and in that way, I think it's it's pretty cool. Uh, what's the what's the background on the story? See, now, here's the thing. This is often associated with Lovecraft's uh, dream cycle. Yeah. See, here's the debate about it, is that in the dreamlands, ancient things still live in the dreamlands. Right. So that's kind of like, I mean, of course, it's not stated in this story or in any story. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe in, uh, in the dream dream quest oh, yeah. of Unknown Kadath, which we'll get to eventually. 
that that those things somehow cross over. I I just read an essay mm-hmm. <laughs> by S.T. Joshi where it's all about Lovecraft's dreamland stories and his, you know, quote-unquote real stories. Lovecraft was a guy writing stories. He wasn't necessarily trying to make cohesive canon. No. So there's some ambiguity about where certain things are. Mm-hmm. But definitely um, Sarnoth is ancient history like he says in the beginning and it's mentioned again much later in his career at mountains of madness so end of story this this uh story was originally published in the scott in june Mm. of 1920 so uh we are now in the 20s now in the 20s the roaring 20s yay Uh, we got fun also this one is supposedly influenced a lot by the work of lord dunsany right um, also, this is one of those things, is that uh, Sarnath is actually a historical city in India, but he, Lovecraft didn't know that. Mm. He came up, he thought he invented the name, but it was later discovered that, uh, by him, that Sarnath is actually a place. Hmm. There's no movies of this no. story as far as I know. No. Oh, I'd make a great slasher. <laughs> you know, I, I know what you did a thousand years ago to those moon creatures. There was, uh... a. <laughs> well, there's that, um... There was like a 70s horror movie called Inhumanoids from the Deep. Oh, yeah. and That's like a deep one. That's movie, a deep, though. yeah, but that's similar to this. Like they're having a festival and the monsters come up from yeah. the ocean. And they kill everybody on the, on the pier. I think they do more than kill everybody. Yeah, there's some rape going yeah, on. Yeah. It's that, pretty disturbing. I think there's even a, two versions of that movie, too. I think somebody remade it. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was pretty terrible and and scarred me horribly as a mm. child. We'll have to watch those before we get into the, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. the In's Mouth stuff. We'll put that in there. Uh, so last week, Chad, uh, mm-hmm. our story was a white ship, and I edited that particular episode, <laughs> which I normally don't do. Chad, you you do those things. So I spent a lot of time with it, and the more I thought about it, and the more I you know read it and went you know really got into it and was actually listening to Andrew Lehman reading it, I got into it way more. I found it to be really really sad, and. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that I originally got from it. Like, I just kind of read it, and and then the silly things jumped out at me, and then I just kind of dismissed it. But in the beginning of the story, you know, when he talks about how he's a lighthouse operator, and his grandfather, there was lots of ships, and then his father, there were fewer ships and fewer with him, and then that really just hit me as being really sad and pathetic. And then this whole kind of dream quest journey he has is sort of a reflection of his life and where he is and where he's going and what he wants and and i just wanted to to share that you your opinion changed it did through listening to our podcast yeah (laughs) which kind of blows my mind but it did well yeah that's how good we are man we can reconvince ourselves that other things are good that we didn't like before yeah yeah that's, a little pat on the back crazy. for myself there. Yeah. So here's another thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, so I've gotten a few emails, and I think there's been a few postings on comments about whether or not I was joking if... <laughs> if, if you got engaged. If I got engaged. <laughs> and yes, I did get engaged, and Rachel is my fiancé. And by the way, uh, on the White Ship podcast, which was broadcast on Lovecraft's birthday, yes, uh, we did have some excellent singing and playing at the beginning and of it. And that was Rachel. And that was Rachel singing. She and... sang, and then I played the ukulele. Ah, man, you guys are awesome. You gotta take that on the road. We, I think we have a new act now. Yeah. We're gonna... I, no, seriously, I saw on YouTube people are already posting that, making their own videos and stuff. Really? <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> it's just Lovecraft true. floating in a spiral. Oh, you know, and also, on Lovecraft's birthday, uh, Garrison Keeler on NPR uh, 
brought up Lovecraft's birthday on his oh, no uh, Writer's Almanac that he uh, Garrison Keillor from Prairie Home Prairie Companion. Companion. Yeah, he does this thing called Write, Writer's Almanac, and uh-huh. he just uh, talks about you know a writer that day if there's some kind of significance, and you know mm-hmm. just goes on about it. That's my Garrison Keillor. It was really good. Thanks. Yeah. You had uh, me dozing off even. <laughs> Sorry, Garrison. Sorry. I had a letter that I got. Um, we have a listener in Poland. Oh. Yeah. So I'm going to read you this Polish Hello. letter. Now, um, I told, I wrote him because this letter is adorable and hilarious. Partially intentionally, partially not intentionally. Okay. So I wrote him a letter in response and said, I would like to read your letter, but I'm going to, because he apologizes for his English. Uh-huh. And that's what makes it pretty funny. Okay. But I told him that that's what I was going to do. And he said, no, do it. I'm really, I'm excited about it. Uh, His name is, well, he signs it uh, Demi. So here you go. I just want to send some positive feedback. And thank you for creating such a cool podcast. Lovecraft isn't very popular writer here. And it is so great to hear some discussions about his novels. I downloaded your podcast on my MP3 player and listened to them while walking to workplace. Today... Morning, I almost shit pants. Shit my pants. <laughs> Hold on, this is funny. Because this was intentionally funny. Today morning, I almost shit my pants waiting for a green traffic light when I heard about Grim Eskimos, their furry coats, and their kisses! Exclamation mark. Brilliant. Best regards from Poland, Demi. Oh, that's yeah, it's awesome. awesome. That's wonderful. That is great. But also, I wanted to say we've got a Facebook page. Uh, oh, yeah! It'll be in our show notes, and um, you know, just when we post new stuff, I'll post on Facebook. So if you're Facebook crazy, you can be more in touch. You know, if you're not in touch enough, <laughs> what else you got? <laughs> I don't have anything. Uh, I wanted to say I forgot to say this earlier that this story tapped into my deep-seated hatred of rich people. <laughs> <laughs> It just reminded me, and I don't have that anymore because, you know, I know some wealthy people, but I guess, you know, at one point in my life, I really didn't like people who were wealthy. Oh, yeah. For, no. It was just a stupid prejudice to have. You know? yeah. Obviously, some of them are bad, some are good. It's just like anything. But um, I remember I, and a lot of it had to do with, I sometimes would date different girls and maybe have more money than me and I would feel insecure and then that's where that kind of thing would bubble um... up. But I remember having a particularly bad breakup with somebody and uh, talking to my friend Josh Bentley and saying, man... Sometimes I just want to drive up to those suburbs and just wreck everything they have out there. Just vandalize. And he said to me, he goes, yeah, man, I'll I'll do that with you if you want. He goes, I like breaking shit I want, too. (laughs) And it was like somehow he both got on my side and also kind of told me what I was really doing. You know what I mean? Uh That was one of the wiser things I've heard in my life. (laughs) And this story, which is really about... Building up a bunch of rich people and showing off all the stuff they yeah. have and then taking it away from them. Right. Well, Lovecraft knows a little bit about... Uh, poverty. Know, poverty and being being wealthy and losing mm-hmm. that wealth. And maybe he had some kind of... Uh, maybe he felt like something happened in their past that he deserved it. Like he was paying for the sins of his, oh, right. his father. You know, like, or, you know, his family. Yeah. Yeah. So um, maybe there's a little bit of that. Well, sure. It's almost it's a it's a satanic deal, a Mephistophelian kind of deal that you, like you find in in classic literature like Faust. That if somebody has something and it's really good, they must have done something wrong or or done something shady in the past, and one day they will pay. Right. And it's kind of a moralistic tale that makes it more palpable for people to accept that people have other people have more than them. Right. Because you know eventually I mean? they're going to get there. they're going to get theirs. Oh yeah. 
I mean, whether lot... it's here or in the somewhere else. Well, I mean, that's you know, most of religion is based off that idea too. Yeah, you know, sure. like you know, eventually you're gonna get get what's coming to you. There's yeah. gonna be. So is celebrity culture. You know, I mean, we we put a lot of effort and time as a culture into making people look beautiful and wonderful. And then when they attain a certain level of height, we put most of our energy into tearing them down, right. abusing and destroying them. Yeah, when when celebrities have some kind of bad thing happening to them, everybody just loves it. They love it. They it's eat great. it up. Yeah. They want to know everything there is to know about it and how bad it is. And yeah. Yeah, I see it. I see it. HP saw it too, Chris. Boy, did he. <laughs> so, um, next week... Oh, yeah. Next, next week's great. I'm so excited. I'm I, I'm really... I'm trying not to throw up right now. I'm so excited. Oh, man. Next week... <laughs> next week... You say it. You say it. Okay, I next can't. week... I, I know. I, it's hard for me to say it. I'll say part of it, and then okay. maybe you might have to finish it. Next week, we, we're going to have a guest host. Somebody's going to step in, and it's not just going to be me and Chad talking no. about it. It's going to be me and Chad and... Uh, Andrew Lehman. Andrew Lehman. Our reader is finally coming he's gonna, into the booth with us. Yeah, he's going to grace us with his uh, commentary. And, and On the story, the statement of Randolph Carter. The statement of Randolph Carter. That's well, that's all I've got, Chris. That's and then that's all. I think that's plenty. I'm I'm Chris Lackey. I'm Chad Pfeiffer. And this is the HP Lovecraft Literary Podcast. HPPodcraft.com. HPPodcraft.com. <laughs>